Welcome to P.I.'s Declassified, an inside look at the world of private investigators. Your host is Francie Kaler, a noted private investigator. Francie and her guests take you behind the scenes and into the genuine, sometimes gritty business of investigation. You'll hear stories from the trenches with plenty of surprises. Here's your host, Francie Kaler. Well, good morning from soggy California. We have a break today. It's sunny, and tomorrow the rain starts again. So, nevertheless, I'm delighted to have Cameron Jackson as my guest today. Cameron is a uh, started out as a San Diego, California police officer, of course, investigating all kinds of criminal cases as a detective. Uh, received a lot of commendations for his work during that, and then he decided to go to the University of California at Irvine, graduated summa cum laude with a bachelor's in political science, I have to say. And now he's a private investigator. He founded uh, C. Jackson Investigations in 2005, and he's going to be talking to us about the lessons he has learned from starting a small business. Good morning, Cameron. Good morning, Francine. How are you? I'm great. Thank you for being on the show. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so um, tell us about... Your, your journey here and, and what you've learned as you've traveled that journey. Yeah, you know, it's, it's funny how um, I started out as a cop. And I guess it's not funny, but I started out as a <laughs> cop. And um, you, you, I, I guess if I had to go back, I'd have to say genetically I was predisposed to be an entrepreneur because my father is an entrepreneur. Oh, what did and your so father got, do? I'm sorry, say again? What did your father do? He's a he's a he's a CPA. He's he does okay. boring work for a living. He doesn't do anything in the investigation realm. Okay. And um, so anyway, you know, I got into police work because I thought, um, being a young man, that it would be fun to drive fast and carry a gun for a living. And I soon realized that my entrepreneurial spirit. Uh, was not really compatible with a police department. Mm. Um, you, you, you've got to be a square peg uh, falling into that square hole in a police department, and I was kind of more like a round peg, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, so at one point, my wife said to me, why don't you go back to school and uh, get your degree, because I had never done that. Um, so I took a leave from San Diego PD, because they allowed you to take a, a leave of up to three years. And uh, went back to school, got my degree in political science, which, as you know, is absolutely worthless unless you're going to be an attorney. <laughs> right. And, um, and, and then I, I kind of fell into PI work uh, after I graduated. I had a, I had a case with my uh, brother and sister-in-law where they had a business partner steal a large amount of retail product from them. Hmm. And so I spent the next six months tracking that stuff down and got the bug for being a PI and said, hey, this doesn't seem like uh, this could be a good gig. And so here I am 12 years later. So, And how long were you with San Diego PD? I was with them six years. So yeah. I, I, I did not put the golden handcuffs on, which was probably the best thing that I have ever done. Yeah, yeah, interesting. And so was... Was there any transition? You know, a lot of times people who come in a law enforcement background, there's a feeling that private investigators are the lowest of the low, and they shouldn't associate with them. So did you have to cross that barrier? Well, you know, it's funny. Um, I didn't know... I didn't know what to expect. I I think my, my expectation, and this is the expectation I see from a lot of uh, officers who are transitioning from being police officers to private investigators, particularly those who have been police officers for 20 or 30 years. Mm-hmm. Um, but even I, I felt this way myself, even with only six years of experience. And that was, Hey, I'm a cop. I'm a former <laughs> cop. Um, I'm going to be able to walk in and just get business right away. Cause I'm awesome. Uh-huh. And what you what you quickly realize is that just like when you started off in the academy and everybody uh, treated you like a boot, um, 
business is no different, right? You walk in and nobody really cares mm-hmm. what your experience is. Um, now, granted, there are there are some people who come out and they're like computer forensic guys and they've got really specialized service and they, their experience might be a little bit different. But for the most part, for generalists like myself and like the majority of other PIs out there, um, it just doesn't matter, right? You've got to, you, you're coming in from scratch. Nobody cares what your experience level is. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and so that, that, that is, and when you're, when you're walking from a high confidence level of having been a cop and done all this cool stuff, and then coming in to the business side, um, you, you know, your confidence goes down. You're like, what, do, what am I doing wrong? What am I, you, you don't know anything, right? You're just starting from scratch again, and it, it can be a blow to a lot of newly incoming PIs, especially if they have a law enforcement background and they're, just, they're, they're lost. And so, well, and you uh, know, the other thing that you kind of touched on a little bit was um, you also can't use your law enforcement contacts. Well, yes and no. Uh, you know, there, here's the thing. This is the uh, – it's, it's funny what information you can get as a police officer versus what you can get when you are a private investigator. Right. And what I found that's fascinating about uh, the world we live in now is that with the exception of rap sheets, and if, if people aren't familiar with that, a rap sheet is what – um, is the um, it's the list of all of the crimes that you've committed and mm-hmm. been, been arrested for and convicted of. Right. And so, with the exception of a rap sheet, there's not much that cops can get that PIs can't get these days. Mm. DMV addresses in California. Oh well, DMV address, sure. But you know, if you're willing to pay the five thousand dollar bond in California, you can get addresses. Um, But that's $5,000 a year you have to pay to the DMV or to the bond person to get those. But, I mean, barring that, even – and Francine, as you may well know, a lot of times, even if you get a name from the DMV records, so long as it's not John Smith – a lot of times you can kind of figure out who they are with the other mm-hmm. databases. Mm-hmm. So, um, again, it just shows you the power of, of the information that, that, that's available to PIs now um, is almost at parity with, with police. The only thing that's different, uh, you know, cell phone records, search warrants, you know, can get that kind of information. PIs can't. Federally, we can't um, even if we wanted to. Um, and, and then, you know, cell tower records and things like that. All those things that re- require a warrant, we can't mm-hmm. get those. But right. barring that, though, it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty even. Yeah, amazingly so, actually. <clears throat> you have to be creative. You do, you do, and that and that's the other thing that I think in business uh, serves. You, you know, business is about being creative, um, and I think that one of the things that when you're a cop and you've been a cop and you've kind of done things the same way for 30 years, it can hinder your ability to open your mind up and be creative, um, and so. Again, you know, that transition that you make from being a cop to being a PI requires that you start to be creative, not only in your investigations, but you have to be creative on the business side of things, right? Because what happens in business is everybody everybody's on a level playing field when it comes to being a PI in a certain sense. And that is, we all know how to do an investigation, right? Mm-hmm. It, it, I once had a, a, an older officer who was training me, who, who gave me the best advice, and that was every crime is a burglary. And when you when you think about that on on, on the face of it, it, it kind of makes sense, but it doesn't make sense until it's explained to you. And that is, the things that you're going to do to investigate a burglary are the same things you're going to do essentially mm-hmm. to investigate a, mm-hmm. a murder or a rape or. Uh, uh, whatever, a robbery. I mean, the, the steps are the same. Right. And okay. so what generally speaking separates the wheat from the chaff and far, as far as investigations is, A, how creative you can be when you're doing the investigation, at least on the PI side, because we have to kind of figure out which tools we, 
we don't have access to and how we could get access to them uh, that law enforcement may have access to on a daily basis. But more so that creativity comes in on the business side, and that is how can I create a PI business business, not just a job? And the creativity comes in, okay, how am I going to get more clientele? How am I going to keep pushing the business forward so that it becomes a business for me and not just a job? And I think that's kind of a good segue into the difference because most PIs, including myself for many, many years, it's a job, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. We, we we have a small client base and we get jobs from them when they send us jobs. We do the job, and then we give them the results, and we kind of wait for the phone to ring for the next job. And, and Cameron, what, what is it, if you've been in law enforcement for, say, 20 years, and you, and, or 25 years, and you're retiring, and you're starting out as, with a PI business, what, are the, what prohibits you from doing exactly what you say? What, what are the obstacles? Well, I'll tell you, you know, the number one obstacle is yourself. Um, what I've found is that cops in general, especially a lot of the ones that I have consulted over the years to help them get their business started, is they want to wait for perfect. Cops love to have things when they're just, when, the, when, the, when it's perfect. Everything is in place and it's perfect. And a lot of times, well, most times, perfect doesn't exist. But right. that doesn't you happen just, in law enforcement. So where does that come from? Well, I think I think what it is is that you get an idea. I'll give you a good example. So the thought is, um, I, I started working once with a subcontractor who was a, a former cop who had just come into the PI world, and he had spent uh, probably hours designing forms. Oh, <laughs> for, yeah. right, forms that look, they look great. They were professional. They looked just like the forms we used in the police department. I mean, they were amazing, right? And that was one of the things that he, and, and he wasn't going to get started work until he had that form just perfect. Mm-hmm. And, and in business, business doesn't work that way, right? I mean, right. you can make perfect over time, but you've got to jump in and start right away. And, and, and you can't wait for it, right? You can't, you can't wait to have a policies and procedures. You can't wait to, to have a, a, a perfect um, business plan. You can't wait till all the forms are perfect. You just kind of have to jump in and start, just start swimming. Yeah. It's called analyzing until you're paralyzed. Say that again? It's called analyzing until you're paralyzed. Analyzing until you're paralyzed. That's exactly, that's a great way. Yes, I like that. I'm going to start using that. I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll cite you for that, Francine. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, we all, we all do that. We, we're, if we're not comfortable in taking that next step, you figure out things to do so you don't have to take the step. <laughs> That's a, it, you're absolutely right. And you know what? It probably is just maybe it's part and parcel to the personality type that gets into investigation work, but mm-hmm. that's even to this day something I still have to contend with. So it never goes away. You're just right. always kind of mitigating that yeah. and, and and trying to make it better. Yeah, <laughs> I get that totally. So, Me yeah, too. <laughs> and, and that's a huge barrier. It's a huge barrier to entry. Um, and I think the other thing that's a real big barrier to entry is the fact that most cops are um, they're uncomfortable with a asking for money, mm-hmm. which is a huge part of the job, mm-hmm. and they're. They're, they're also uncomfortable with managing the money. You're talking about somebody who's been in, in, in law enforcement for 25, 30 years, um, even 20 years. They, they get that regular paycheck. They don't have to worry about you know, where their next paycheck is coming from. It just always kind of flows their direction, and then they can, they can go from – they're going from certainty to uncertainty, and that's another – paralyzing uh, feature of going into business for yourself. You know, and I'll bet another uh, factor, I I just thought of this, another factor is you don't have that camaraderie of the other guys you're working with that you can talk about cases with and and hang out with, and you're by yourself. And and that is a huge blow, even to myself. Uh, Another PI I used to work with said it best, and that's we're ships in the night. 
mm-hmm. right? And 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 you just kind of you're on your own and you're out there and you. You don't have, I mean, we have our PI association that we belong to, and that's one way that you can have a sounding board. But day in and day out, you really are alone. Uh, mm-hmm. You're on this little island. You don't see or hear from anybody else, and, and it, it, is, it is kind of a bummer. Um, and I think that <laughs> And the myself, bus stops with you, too. <laughs> that's that. the other piece. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't go up the chain. <laughs> that's right, that's right, that's right. So it... it it's funny how the business, you get into it and you start working these cases. And, and what I found for myself was that um, you, you get into the rhythm of doing the work. And over time, especially if, you're, if you get busy, um, it really starts to, to uh, weigh on you. Because you're running around all over. I mean, for my practice, I started out doing a lot of criminal defense work. Mm-hmm. And as you know, you're all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, I said it then and I say it now. There's not a, a place in Southern California the hand of CJI hasn't touched. <laughs> yeah. It, it, and it's true. You, you drive around and you drive to so many places. You're always on the road and you're working nights and you're working weekends and, and you're alone and you don't have anybody to, to bounce things off of. And it really starts to kind of get you down because, you know, is this what it's going to be like? Am I going to have to run around and do this grunt work all the time? And, it, and it, it, for me, at least, the job really start, started to become fun when I could finally hire somebody. And, mm-hmm. and, Absolutely. And, and, and Absolutely. start offloading some of that running around. Um, and, and that's that transition that, that occurs for some PIs from it's a job to a business. Yeah. So, so tell me what steps you went through, Cameron. You know, you, so you, when you left San Diego, so you had, you'd taken some time off to get your degree. Did you go back to San Diego then, or, or what happened yeah, from that so point? What happened was I, I didn't want to do the commute because I came to school. My wife is from the Orange County area, so I went to school at UCI, and then I didn't want to do the commute back down to San Diego. So I looked around, and I got a job as a UCI cop, University of California Irvine cop, and I was a cop for one month. <laughs> and, and It didn't work out for you. <laughs> yeah. On the 30th day, I, I called my wife up. Uh, in the locker room, and I'm like, what am I doing? Why am I doing this? And she's like, yeah, move on then. Yeah. So um, that's when I was fortunate enough to kind of fall into PI work. And um, the process really was doing, you know, I was lucky. My wife was in the criminal justice system. She's an attorney. She knew a lot of other private attorneys. Um, so I was fortunate in that because she had a good reputation in the courts. Um, I kind of had a good reputation, even though the, the uh, attorneys that she worked with didn't know me, they were willing to give me a shot. Mm-hmm. And so um, I was very fortunate in that I had kind of a small pool of attorneys that I could work with right away, who fortunately for me, it just kind of things worked out, right? I mean, they were in transition on the PIs that they were using. I kind of just fell into their lap. Mm-hmm. Um, well, we both fell into each other's laps. And so that I, I got lucky with that start. Uh, I, I don't, uh, by the grace of God, right? Yeah. And so I bumped along like that for years. And it really wasn't until 2012 that... Um, I was in a position both um, professionally and with family, um, i.e. the kids were in school full-time and whatnot, that I could really turn on the, the spigot, so to speak, and, and start um, really branching out and pushing the business more. And so 2012 was when I started um, you know, really hitting the bricks hard um, and, and trying to gather more and more attorneys. And it wasn't until, I don't know, let's see, I guess 2013, yeah, maybe 2013, that I finally got to this point. There's a break point, right? There's a break point in business. This is probably for any business when you're, when you're working out of your home. And the break point is when I 
can't do any more admin work because it's cutting into my business, into, mm-hmm. into the mm-hmm. investigation work. And so when I got to that break point um, where I was spending too much time doing admin, not enough time doing investigation, I said, okay, I've got to hire somebody. And well, what and what's did, important about that, Cameron, I mean, what you said was significant. By the time you're feeling like you're hitting the ground uh, and being effective, you're, you're talking about seven years. You started, you started your business in 2005, and you're feeling like in 2012 it's finally coming together. That's correct, and, and, and that's another thing that, that uh, it's a great point that you bring up. For whatever reason, it probably is because of pop culture. It's probably because of what we watch on TV. Um, people think that success comes overnight. Absolutely, and, and it doesn't. It doesn't, no. Success is a, is, is a long-haul process, and it's only in very rare circumstances where you have some uh, some key ability, some specialty in private investigations where you can get that kind of success overnight. And generally speaking, and Francine, you might know better than I do, but I, I tend to see the people who are like really, really, really highly skilled with uh, computer forensic stuff. Mm-hmm. They tend to do really well right off the bat. Right. Or if you're maybe a former federal agent that uh, worked many high-profile cases, um, you you might find real big success right out of the door, but for the rest of us, um, it, it's a it's a grind. But even right? then, Cameron, you start. I mean, it, really, you started out almost with a ready-made business with the, the referrals you had. Most people coming out of law enforcement or starting a PI business are are starting out from scratch with no clients at all. And, and believe me when I say that, uh, I'm very thankful that I wasn't in that situation because coupled with that is the fact that they don't know even where to start to get those clients. Right, right. And, and what's wonderful, at least in California here with our PI association that we have and are a part of, um, Cali, the nice thing about Cali is that at least you have a place to go where you can get some business from other PIs. Right, and California Association of Licensed Investigators. Yeah, yeah. that's absolutely true. Yeah. That networking is very significant. It is. And, and it's something that you have to do both within the PI community and it's something you have to do outside of the PI community. And again, that's, a, that's another barrier to entry for a lot of people as well, especially former cops. They hate going out and glad-handing. Right? It's not mm-hmm. something that they've ever had to do. Um, it's difficult to do. Even I don't like to, to do it. You know, I do it because I have to, but it's, it's hard. And um, you have to bring yourself outside of your comfort zone. And uh, it, it, you know, most of us, we just like to do investigations. How come I can't just do an investigation, right? <laughs> right. And so where do you go? Do you go to the, like the Bar Association or uh, Chamber of Commerce? Yeah. Where, where do you start? Yeah, you know, I mean, the, you, anywhere, this is what I tell people. I say, whatever you think you want to do, try to target that um, segment of the population that wants your service. So that could very well be bar associations. It could Mm -hmm. be um, uh, a local business group. It could be anything, right? Um, I'll give you a good example of what not to do. Uh, Okay, before you start that... Before you start what not to do, I just yeah. got notified that we need to take a quick break, so hang on to that thought and hang in with us, folks. We'll be right back. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com need to hire a private investigator? Ask for their professional association affiliations. When an investigator asks Francie Kaler about associations, she says to first join a state trade association. Francie belongs to the California Association of Licensed Investigators, or CALI. It's the largest association of its kind in the world. CALI's main focus is networking, training, and legislative advocacy. If you need a detective in California, contact CALI at cali-pi.org or call one 800 
350-CALI. For a national association, Francie's Choice is the National Council of Investigation and Security Services, or NCISS. For over 35 years, the council's primary mission has been to represent its members before the United States Congress and governmental agencies. Find the council at NCISS.org or call 1-800-445-8408. NCISS and Cali are great places to look for a qualified private investigator. Tell them you heard it from Francie on PIs Declassified. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. listening to P.I.'s Declassified with Francie Kaler. You can call into the program. We'll take questions and comments at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You can also email your question to Francie. Send it to francie at pisdeclassified.com. Now, here's Francie Kaler. Back with Cameron uh, Jackson, we're talking about the lessons he has learned from starting a small business, and you were just about to say what not to do. Yeah, Francie, um, you know, what not to do is, uh, is, is always, everybody wants to know that, and the, the, one of the examples I got was the other day, somebody put out on our listserv that they wanted to get um, a billboard a rolling billboard, and um, mm-hmm. if anybody had that. an idea. Say that again? I said I remember that. Yeah, right. And, and I contacted them off, offline, and I just said, you know, think of, think of business this way. Who's your audience? And I said, and think of how many people, if you're driving a billboard around town, how many people are going to see it that actually need a P.I.? And the, the number really is probably going to be surprisingly small, right? PI work is not like um, house cleaning or um, any number of services that we have that we need on a regular basis. PIs, generally speaking, are needed most times, especially people off the street, as you know, uh, it's once in a blue moon. You may get a client that needs a PI uh, one time in their entire lives. Mm-hmm. And, and right. if you walk around and you talk to every friend you know uh, on Facebook or, or anywhere else, and you say, how many times you need a PI? Uh, how, how many times? Maybe, maybe none? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, and not only that, most people have not even ever met a private investigator. That, that's right. And, and so... Um, having said that, then I, my point to the to the PI was, don't do something that isn't going to hit your target audience. And so, if you know your specialty is X, uh, computer forensics, then you're going to want to hit probably criminal defense attorneys, right? Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. they're the ones who are going to need your service on a regular basis when their clients get into trouble over computer crimes. And so there's, there's a lot of common sense that's built into it, but, but it, common sense is only common if you, if you have even a foundation for it. And again, mm-hmm. you know, that, that's, a, that's a big issue for a lot of PIs. They don't have any business background. And so you're asking, you're asking PIs to not just do an investigation, but to always also manage the business side of things and, and grow a business. Um, and, and it becomes very daunting very quickly, as it did for me. It was very daunting. And what, so what did you do, Cameron? I mean, you had, you had some foundation because your dad's in business, so that, I know that helps. It helped it, me as well. It, you know, it helped, but it's, it's, I didn't grow up with my dad. Uh, okay. Just the way the world is these days and parents get divorced and whatnot, I, I didn't actually grow up with him, so I really wasn't around that kind of environment. Um, okay. my, my mom and my stepdad were both employees, uh, so to speak, so um, I the only thing I had was the genetics for it, right? I didn't really actually have the the uh, wherewithal or the knowledge. Uh, but for me, what I what I did was I said, okay, uh, you know, I just kind of thought about how I should 
work the problem. And what I realized uh, was that when I couldn't do the work anymore, I needed to bring somebody in. And like anybody else, you know, bringing somebody in is a risk. It's expensive. Mm-hmm. There's a whole host of new issues you have to deal with. You have to, you have to, if you're going to do it right, which I did it right, um, you, you got to have a payroll company. You got to have workers' comp insurance. You got to, you, you know, if you're smart, you up your E and O policy, your errors and omission policy. There's a whole host of things you have to do, right? Mm-hmm. And so I said, okay, I'm going to bring somebody in who's not a former cop, because what I did was I first I put something out on listserv. I think to just kind of get a feeler if anybody even wanted a job. But but what I found very quickly is that somebody who's a former cop expects, you know, a lot of money, um, and you can't afford that. So I brought somebody in who was fresh out of college who wanted to be a PI. Um, and I don't know if you experienced this, Francie, but every year around May and June, I start to get a flood of uh, resumes, unsolicited mm-hmm. resumes. Right. Um, from college kids that are that are graduating who want to be PIs, and so I took that and I ran with it, and I got fortunate. Uh, I found a, 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 a fine young lad who had just graduated from UCI, <laughs> who was dying to be a PI. He still works for me today. He's he's, um, you know, I'm very very thankful to have him, um, and he started taking the load off. Um, of me mm-hmm. on those things that didn't need me. Right. And so when you look at the PI business, a lot of people have, you know, from the outside when they're looking at, at private investigations, they think it's just, um, it's like Magnum PI, right? You, you get a case, you work a case and, and, and it's, and it's done. But there's so much more that's going on behind the scenes because mm-hmm. what I found is that I had, two sets of clients. I had clients, maybe three sets, but two primary sets. I had a set of clients who wanted me, Cameron Jackson, to do the work. And then I had a set of clients who didn't care who did the work just as long as the work got finished. Right, yeah. And and was competent. And so for me, I said, okay, the work that I don't need to do I can slough off onto my onto my new guy, and I can train him how to do those things. And mm-hmm. and those things are, are are the simple things that we do. They're like finding people, doing backgrounds, that kind of stuff, research. Right. And then I could carry on the load of of doing the the, the complex investigations and going out and continue to do that work. Um, and and that goes along for a while. But what I realized very quickly, and I think this is what what probably keeps most PIs working at home versus branching out and, and, and building a business is that the, the key to building a business is to find work that you don't have to do. So you find the clientele that wants that type of work, and then you start selling that kind of work. Give me an example. So that kind of work is what we just what, what I just said, and that would be um, uh, backgrounds, finding people, service of process, um, uh, surveillance work. Those things I don't need to do those things. Right. Right. I, I can hire and train somebody to do those things, and so what and so that's kind of the trans, so that's the aha moment in business right for a pi it's like aha okay i don't need to go out and do all this stuff right um i i can let go and let and train somebody to my standards which are very high and i can and i can have them start to do this work for me so that I can go out and I can do a couple more things now. I can do a little more admin work. I can do some investigation, but I can also start cultivating the business and cultivating the clients and, and, and going out and glad-handing and do those things that I don't like to do but have to do, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and so when that transition occurs, um, then you, you start to open your eyes like, wow, okay, now this is cool, right? And... Um, this is one of the things that, that, that I talk about when I'm, when I'm coaching people on this. What happens is you get your weekends and your nights back. <laughs> right. Right? Exactly. And you get, 
you get what you started talking about at the beginning of the show, which was the camaraderie. You start to get that back. And so yeah. it really... It really starts to open your eyes up to all the potentials of what you can accomplish and what your business can accomplish. And then before you know it, you've got, you know, then I had to hire an, uh, an office manager to take care of the admin stuff because that became too much for me. And then I hired a second investigator um, who was law enforcement trained because then it was everything keeps getting better and better, right? So now it's it's I don't even go out and do the investigations anymore. I have a law enforcement trained investigator in my office who is now going out and doing those investigations. Yeah, exactly. And, right? And, and, then, and, then it, and then it goes from there. And so it, it makes for... It's a re, it, it, I can't tell you how hard the transition is. But once you make the transition, it's, it, it really makes your life so much better. I, I can't... Uh, I wish it upon everybody who's a PI. Put it that way. Well, and I can tell you, Cameron, you made that transition. And coming out of law enforcement, which I did not come out of law enforcement, you made that tra- transition much quicker than I did. So, that, so that's interesting. Uh, I mean, because you're talking about this is 2017, and you started out in 2005, and now you're feeling totally comfortable that you have other people doing the, the day-to-day work, and it took me a lot longer than that, I can tell you. <laughs> so a, a word of, uh, to the wise, to people out there, it takes a long time to get a business going where you feel, you're feeling comfortable with it. it and, every, and it really does become, in a lot of ways, when we talked earlier, it, the barrier to entry is oftentimes ourselves, right? Yep. We're the ones yep. who limit what we can and can't do. And we oftentimes, and I do it to myself, I still do it to myself, say, no, I can't do that, or eh, now's not the right time. Um, I want to wait until it's perfect. There's so many things we tell ourselves um, that we can't do something that prevent us from doing it. When In reality, if we just jump in two feet first and just do it, then before you know it, you're like, oh, well, hey, that wasn't so hard. Uh, <laughs> let me try that again, right? Right, and, right. And I think that it, what if anybody who's listening that that is either a PI or even in business for themselves, I mean, I think that's the, a, a great takeaway from this is that you can have, you, you could be the the best cop in the entire world, mm-hmm. um, but you come into business and it's a whole different beast and. Um, you can still make something of yourself um, regardless of where you've come from if you're just willing to open up your mind and, and, and say yes to things and, and, and not limit where you are, where you're going, or how you get there. You just go for it. So, Cameron, where did you look for resources? I mean, did you, like, take classes or did you go to, you know, or did you just have an inherent ability to be a business person? Yeah, you know, sad to say, I, I probably, and I say this more from a personal standpoint than anything else, I should spend more time um, reading and going to class. Most everything I've done, I've done by the seat of my pants. Mm-hmm. And um, it's, and maybe I was just lucky that way. Maybe I'm just dumb luck. Who knows? Um, I think, though, over time, certainly what's happened, um, you know, being a part of a, the PI association helps in, in, a, in a big way because you can go and you can talk to other PIs, you can, you can bounce ideas off of them. I think anybody who's a PI and, and getting in the business should definitely join their association. I agree. Um, and, I and, totally and, agree with that. I don't, right, I don't know how, I really don't know how you operate if you haven't done that because it I don't just further isolates you. Yeah, I, and, and those PIs, like, you know, it's funny, you, you, you've, I'm sure you've had this happen to you as well, where you go and you, um, you, you might get a job from an attorney who was using another PI before you. Mm-hmm. And you'll say, oh, who was that PI? And they'll tell you the name, and you're like, I've never heard of that person ever, right? <laughs> yeah, right. And, and you're like, where do they come from? I don't know where they come from. Like, 
at least if you're in an association, you get you know you know who's working, you know who's out there, you know who you can lean on to ask questions to, and you can and um, and again that's a that's a camaraderie aspect of it. I think that um, what's happened more recently. For me, and this would happen to other PIs as well if they if they expand their business, is that you start to engage with and interact with other business people who've been mm-hmm. in the business, their business longer than you, and most times. Um, and what I have found is that um, sharp business people identify other sharp business people, mm-hmm. and. If they get the sense that you are on top of your business, you're on top of your game, and you know what you're doing, um, I've been, I've had a lot of them reach out to me and just want to go to lunch and ask me about my business. And in, inevitably, uh, they will give me business advice. Mm-hmm. Uh, and oftentimes I'll, I'll ask, well, you know, what do you think? Or, or, or they'll throw out an idea to me. And, 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 and that resource has been invaluable because I've had a couple ideas thrown my way that I never would have thought of. What's uh, the best, the, well, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but what's the best piece of information or advice you've ever received that you thought, ah, oh, this is perfect? Well, it's proprietary. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> no, I, I can, I can, <laughs> I can say this. Um, I, if you are willing to listen to um, what other people have to say, which again can be difficult for cops. Cops tend to, myself included, tend to be kind of closed-minded, think that their way is the only way. And, and again, that's another barrier that, that a lot of former cops mm-hmm. becoming PIs have to get past. Um, and if you're willing to kind of listen to what other people have to say um, and think about it, oftentimes they'll present an idea to you that, that you, you know you didn't ask for, They just but they give it to you, um, and you seize on that. But... Um, I'm trying to think of the best way that I can say what what the idea was without giving you what the without idea. giving think, it up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, without giving it up. I, I I think the best way to put it would be it it was something that related to PI work, and it was something that I already did in PI work, but it was a different approach to how to sell it and or how to uh, implement it, and and it was something I never thought of. And and it just so happened that I got the information from one client who was a business person in this in a in a particular field, and then I had a second conversation with a, with another client who was in the same kind of field, who also mentioned that to me. And so once I got it from two different people, then it was like, oh, okay, there's something here. And, so what and you're again, really saying, if I could just put it in a different framework, is you're talking about listening. Just keeping your ears open for whatever's coming in from whatever source. Exactly. And, and that, as I was speaking about that, it made me think of one other thing. And that is, and this is, goes back to the transition you make from being a cop to a PI, being a successful business person. Um, so many times, so many times, and I used to do this all the time myself. You'd be working for somebody, an attorney or whatnot, and they'd ask you to do something. And you know, you're like, that's the stupidest thing anybody has <laughs> ever asked me to do. Why are they asking me to do this? Or why are they having me fill out this form this way? This is stupid. I don't want to fill out the form this way. This is, they're an idiot, right? You don't know how many times I've had that conversation with myself over the years. And what I realized is, you know what? Who cares? Mm. Listen to your customer. And if it's not illegal, immoral, or unethical, right. then do what they want. And that's, you have no idea how hard that is for a, a really seasoned professional investigator to, to let go of that. This isn't, this isn't the right way to do it mentality mm-hmm. to... Hey, you know what? If it's not illegal, immoral, or unethical, um, just 
just do it the way the customer wants. Yeah. And that mental transition, that might be the most important mental transition you have to make from being a cop to being a PI is to go from, from this is just the way we do it attitude to what services the customer, what makes them, what's going to make them happy at the end of the day. And, and taking an attitude of, yes, we can do that. Instead of saying, well, no, there's no way to do that. Um, and once you make that transition, boy, it really opens up the field to, to a whole host of, of new options for yourself in business. And, you know, what that brings to mind for me is that um, one of the things that we do in my agency is we, and I'm, I'm sure you do this as well, going, going above and beyond for your client. Yes. Maybe doing something extra that helped them, maybe it, was, maybe it was an effort for you, maybe you had to deliver something, um, you had to be in court one day when you weren't planning on it, whatever it is, you've gone that extra mile, maybe you don't charge them for it, and that makes a huge difference in whether you keep that client or not. That is a, an excellent point, and I'm glad you brought it up, and it's one of the things that I tell everybody in my office. Let's give them something a little extra. Because sometimes you know, you do something, you give them, you get a case, and you're like, there is nothing here. Nothing. Right. And that's when I say, okay, fine, there's nothing there. Let's give them something. Well, and I hear, I hear investigators saying, oh, I, I'm not going to do that. That is an investigation work. Okay, well, okay, it's not. But it needs to be done. <laughs> Somebody has to do it. <laughs> That's exactly right. That is exactly right. You know, that is something that I've heard a lot. That's not investigation work. Hey, you know what? If the client wants to pay for it, right? What difference does it make? Right, and it's and it's even remotely in your in your in your in your field of work. Hey, go for it. Why not? Yeah. Yeah. It might open your mind and your eyes up to some new possibility out there. I'll give you a great example. This is something we don't do. Um, we probably should do it, although I haven't found that my clients want this, but I'll give free advice on this one. Um, I had a PI tell me once that he would go to the hospital on behalf of the attorney, not like not ambulance chasing, but like they had, they had gotten this client and whatnot, and they would do the intake for the client. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They would go to the. They would get any photos that they needed of the person in the hospital, or maybe if they'd just been released. But they were a new client for the attorney. The attorney didn't have the time or the wherewithal to be able to go out and 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 do that stuff. And this this guy did that. And he, you know, he didn't charge a ton for it, but it was profitable for him, and 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 it worked. Mm-hmm. And that's something that a lot, like you said, a lot of investigators. Well, that's not investigation work. Well, right. But if you're keeping your client happy, and then they say. Man, Cameron Jackson is awesome because he did that. You should use yeah. this guy, right? That's, exactly. That's exactly. It's the referral, right, that you're really capturing. You know, while I was um, uh, preparing for this show, Cameron, I did did some little research, googling um, different ways to uh, address startups, and this one guy had uh, a few things that I thought were really. On, right on target, and and there were like 11, 11 items, and one was that I think we have to always remember is that you're replaceable. Your customers are often fickle. Your clients are can can be fickle. You you talked about taking over where another PI had been working for that person. Well, what happened with that other PI? So you are replaceable if you're not doing your job or you're not following through or you're not going that extra mile. And, of course, then what about your reputation? Your reputation's important, right? All of those things are important. And I I think that's another, um, the first part of your your thing about being replaceable. That is a fear that we all have when we Mm -hmm. get into business, right? Yeah. Uh, I'm replaceable. And I, and, and it wasn't until recently, and I, and, and, I don't say this in a in a cocky fashion at all. I don't say it in a disingenuous fashion. But the other thing that occurs when you 
have success in business and you and you start to put out a good product and you well you always put one out hopefully but you know you have a good product and you know you're doing solid work and you're and the phone is ringing off the hook and your clients are coming back to you for more and more and more one of the things that that gives you is confidence and the confidence in knowing that you know what I am replaceable but the odds at this point of me being replaced are diminishing. Right. Because you've it, gone the extra mile. Actually. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Not just because you're you're awesome and and you know you, your head is big or whatnot. It's it's because you're doing those little things that we've talked about. And once you get to that point in business, again, it, it gives you a confidence and it gives you um, it gives you what I, um, I it gives you the ability to say no. Yeah. Yeah. And and when you have the ability to say no. Oddly enough, saying no sometimes gets you more business. Right, that's true. That's true. <laughs> you know what, Cameron? We are, believe it or not, we are at the end of our hour. We could probably go on for another hour, but we're we're at the end of our time. And I really appreciate you coming on the show today. I think uh, you've offered some really, really valuable uh, points for people that are starting out and and people that have been in business a while. You know, could have been in business 10 years and be in the same place as what we're talking about. So I really appreciate that. Francie, thank you so much for having me on the show. It was a, it was really fun, and and uh, you know, thank you for all the contributions you make to oh, PIs here in California and for our association. Uh, I, I do appreciate it. Thanks so much. I appreciate it. And for the rest of you all, tune in again next week as we declassify more real stories from real investigators like Cameron. We continue to offer content of interest to private investigators and other legal professionals. Uh, It's P.I.'s Declassified. I'm Francie Kaler. Thanks so much for listening. You've been listening to P.I.'s Declassified with your host, Francie Kaler. Tune in every Thursday at noon Eastern Time. That's 9 a.m. for you West Coast listeners. P.I.'s Declassified explores stories of deceit, mystery, and detectives unraveling the truth every Thursday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific Time here on the Voice America Variety Channel. 